figure out one thing that you're good at. I mean, we all know we can do multiple things, but you can spend a lot of time trying to figure out those multiple things. But figure out one thing and put yourself out there. Your first thing is not your last thing. So keep that in mind. Start somewhere. To all my academics, my entrepreneurs, my academics who are entrepreneurs and my entrepreneurs who are academics, hello. Welcome to another episode of Academics Mean Business with your host, Dr. Lindsay Padilla. Today's episode features Dr. Anu Khanna. I love her. (laughs) You will see how much I love her in this interview. She is someone who brings such energy um, to this space into basically into online entrepreneurship. And I was fortunate enough to meet her in person. But this is after we started working together. She actually bought a program that I was promoting by my mentor, Stu McLaren. The program is called Tribe. And it's actually about memberships and having memberships. So we were able to attend a conference around this course together and geek out um, over all things academia and all things entrepreneurship, which was really fun because it was her first ever business conference. So we've definitely been unpacking that event. But we also um, just obviously enjoy each other and are excited to be around each other. So what you're going to learn in this episode is kind of the connection of her being in the early stages of her business and how she's right now navigating her skill set. And basically, she could have multiple clients with multiple things that she can help them with. And she's in the space of figuring out how to decide what to focus on first or next. Um, She's looking to take her consulting business that she's had on the side just here and there. It's been a little more sporadic. It's a little bit more referral based. She's really wanting it to be a viable option for her and her family to increase her income. She works currently at a community college in Northern California. um, So that's also where we connect. And she worked with somebody who uh, I actually had as a professor when I was doing my graduate work. So that's also really fun. Um, But yeah, she doesn't plan on leaving academia. She actually plans on seeing it through, but wants to have this business flourishing on the side. She's built a pretty... Uh, enjoyable teaching position, tenure, having tenure and the work she does, she's now been able to streamline it. So where she does feel like she has space. So if you're in that position currently, this I think will be a great interview for you to listen to um, as you kind of go on the journey with making those early decisions in your business and also recognizing the struggle when you're just really good at lots of stuff. All right. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome. Dr. Anu Khanna is with us today. I am so excited. We basically spent the week together last week, right? That was we or like a week, a week and a half in ago. Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> in Toronto. We flew all the way over there to go uh, to a business event, which I believe was Anu's first one ever. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that today because that could be <laughs> fun. I don't think we processed it um, together. But anyways, either it way, quite I'm really experience. excited. It was Thank you. You saw everyone get up and run to the back of the room and throw credit cards at this guy on the stage. It was crazy. Literally, someone threw their card at him, I think. Yes. That Uh, definitely doesn't happen in academic conferences. No. Could you imagine? (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, your research is so amazing. Take my credit card. (laughs) Take my money. Take my money. This needs to be out in the world. (laughs) 
Um, so yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, but a new welcome. I'm so glad to have you on Academics Mean Business. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here and I've been following your podcast for a while now. And so it's great to be here as a guest. Thank you. Yay. Um, so we always start at the beginning, I guess, the beginning of your academic <laughs> journey. Um, give us a little a little update on your CV, um, what you studied, <laughs> where, where you went to school. Um, I know you're currently teaching. Just give us that kind of overview of your life as an academic. All right. Well, I grew up in a family of teachers, so it was probably destined that I would become a teacher. My <laughs> father was a college professor. My mother was a teacher as well. And when I was in high school, I thought I wanted to be a high school teacher. And mm. so I went to the University of Illinois and I majored in communication um, because I thought I wanted to teach speech and debate. And as I was going through that journey um, in college, I liked speech and debate, but I realized I didn't necessarily want to work with high school students. Um, oh, but I you figured I that out teach. in your bachelor's? <laughs> Sorry, I have I to interrupt did. you because interesting, <laughs> interesting. You know what it was? I volunteered and I helped do oh. some speech and debate coaching with high school students. Smart. And <laughs> I don't know. When I was a high school student, it sounded like a good idea. But right. It sounded fun. I liked, I, did uh, the, I was the same path. That's why um, I went further. <laughs> I got my credential teaching and like did that whole thing. And then I realized it. I wish I, I yeah. wish I realized it sooner. Would have saved me 30K. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad I realized it. And I say, yeah, that. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, but I was, so I knew I wanted to teach. I just didn't think that was the right place for me. Mm. And so I went on to get my master's thinking, well, I probably do want to teach at a college and I use university, but I wasn't sure because I had also, um, in my senior year started to intern for a company in the area of training and development. And ah. I really liked some of the stuff that I was doing in HR, um, with the training and development, uh, folks, um, in that company. And I thought, well, maybe I want to do something here. Uh, I wasn't sure. So I went on to get my master's um, and it was a terminal master's program at that time at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. And it was in communication and training and development. Mm. And I had thought at that time, what I would like probably do would be go on and work for some you know, corporate entity and do training and development or an HR position. And as I was going through that program, I realized, well, no, actually, I really do want to teach at the college level because mm -hmm. I truly enjoyed every minute of um, my teaching assistantship that I had and the different classes that I was able to teach. I taught small group communication. I taught public speaking. I taught organizational communication. I loved every minute of that. And so when it came time to think about, well, what's next, I decided to go ahead and apply for doctoral programs. Mm. And I had been living in Wisconsin and I realized that it was really cold there. <laughs> so I applied to schools that had a little bit more warmer climates and Smart. ended up going to Arizona State University for my doctorate. Yeah. Very cool. And I was doing the communication program there. And I took a very windy path through my doctoral program <laughs> and a very long, long, windy path. What is that? Why? I, what, what was so windy about it? You don't have to give us every uh, detail, but like, it, yes. did you think you were going to study something and go a totally different direction or? 
Well, I was always going to study communication. I thought my area of emphasis would be organizational communication and intercultural communication because mm. uh, those were the two, two sub-disciplines that I wanted to merge. And when I got there, two of the faculty members I wanted to work with who would have been my potential advisors, they were leaving. Oh, no. And so I was kind of stuck, like, what am I doing? I wasn't sure after the first semester if I even really liked being a doctoral mm. student. And then something fell into my lap, which was this, I found out about this job that was available in the community college district because in Arizona, where Arizona State is in Tempe, there's also a large community college district, Maricopa Community Colleges. And there was an organization there that was called the Chair Academy, which did leadership training for academic leaders, meaning chairs, deans, VPs in community colleges. Nice. And they needed a program coordinator and somebody to do training and development and to also coordinate their training programs. So I was in the right place at the right time. Yeah, I interviewed, I got it. Yeah. Yes. Nice. And my background, my previous background fit mm-hmm. in and it was organizational communication and leadership related. It just seemed perfect. And it was for a while. And so I did that job full time. I left the doctoral program for a little bit. And then I came back part time. Uh, Everybody said that wasn't a good idea. But I said, I'm just going to make it work. And somehow I made it work, even though it was very stressful. Mm-hmm. But I learned a lot. I worked with all these um, academic leaders across the nation. Uh, we were doing training programs and leader academic leadership conferences. I helped edit an academic journal um, mm-hmm. that was a leadership magazine for community college leaders. So I learned a lot about the community college system. And that's where I realized how much I loved working for community colleges and in that community college environment. And so I started teaching as an adjunct at one of the community colleges in the Maricopa Colleges District and Mm -hmm. continued to develop my love for that at the same time working on my doctorate. And at one point, uh, my dream job came up, which was in Mm -hmm. California. And I was still not finished. I had finished my comprehensive exams. I was working on my dissertation and I found out about this dream job here in California that was very unusual position at the time. It was in an intercultural studies division, um, but it was a communication based position. So to teach intercultural communication and intercultural studies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go for it and see what happens. And Everybody said, what about that dissertation? And I said, "Mm, we'll come to that. (laughs) You know, we'll see. Mm -hmm. And I got the position. So I moved out here to California and that was in 2000. And I have been a faculty member here ever since. It was a tenure track position. I did receive tenure and I kept slowly, you know, plugging away at that dissertation. Mm -hmm. And finally, Mm -hmm. I did finish. Uh, It took a while. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, still working full time, but I did finish and, you know, but I knew that I loved teaching here in that community college system. And, you know, it didn't matter if it took me a longer path to finish and get that doctorate. Very cool. And so That's here cool, I am almost cool background. Yeah. Thank you. And it's almost, yeah. you know, eight, I've been here 18. This is my 18th academic year. I'll start my 19th wow. academic year in the fall. <laughs> Do you get like anything amazing in, um, when you get to 20? <laughs> A gold watch or something? <laughs> I don't know. It's the community colleges. There's no funding for gold watches. 
<laughs> right? They're I like, we'll give you an extra $1,000 in your pay scale. <laughs> that, that would be awesome. I, I yeah. think there is something that we can apply for. But yes, I got mm. a very nice pin at 15. Oh, I think nice. it's something else at 20. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Very cool. Awesome. Well, that's really interesting. And I love, I love how, I don't even know, like it's a meandering path, but it, it seems like it's, um, you were making decisions based on like what you wanted to do at a given time. Like part of me is like, yeah, you were getting this advice to, oh, well, you shouldn't do that. You should finish. And you're like, no, this is like my dream job. I'm going to go get it and I'm going to finish in time, like in my time and it will be fine. I think it's so funny how uh, academia is so like, I don't know if it's strict, but it's definitely very like, this is how you do it. And this is what you're supposed to do. Yes. Um, and this is what you're sacrificing if you don't do it now, yada, yada, yada. Um, but what's so cool about the community college too, is like the PhD is not expected, right? It's right. like, it's, and so you can work with a master's at your, at the school. So right. that all, that of so course that's, helps Yeah. Well. That's why that opportunity is very much open mm-hmm. to me. And yeah, I jumped on it when I saw it because yeah. if you, you know, if you don't leap then, and it, when you think you have, you know, this opportunity mm-hmm. in front of you, then you'll never know. And I yep. think that that was one of the things that I struggled with as a doctoral student is that mm. there is an expectation that everything's very linear mm-hmm. uh, and that you have to have a p- mm-hmm. particular path and certain milestones and finish at a certain point in time. And I, I did it very differently and yeah. it worked for me, but it also gave me the experience that I wanted and yep. needed at the time to figure right. out where do I want to go and what do I want to do and what what intrigues me and what challenges me. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think I would have ever had this kind of longevity in a community college system if I hadn't worked for that organization no. and really yeah, that's seen, a big piece of your story. Yeah. And yeah. really seen how community colleges are beneficial mm-hmm. and what we do for students and, and what kind of leadership is necessary to make things happen at a community college. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm really glad I did that path. It, yeah. I mean, it hung over my head for a while of, mm-hmm. you know, everybody saying, how are you going to get this done? And it happened eventually, you know, just yeah. not in the linear way that I imagined it would when I first started. Totally. Super interesting. So tell us a little bit about when you started to um, do work on the side. Um, I know you've been consulting for a little while. So if you could tell us a little bit about your, I don't even know, dipping your toes (laughs) into like making money, you know, with your background and with your degree that wasn't um, a part of your full-time job. Well, about Eight years or so ago, after I'd been here 10 years, I started to you know, look around and think about, well, what's next for me? What else do I want to do? Mm. Uh, I knew that I want to still be in my teaching position. I really do have a love for what I do f- with my students and teaching my students and seeing them be transformed and changed with some of what we're teaching. Mm-hmm. And, but I wanted something more. Uh, I have been in several leadership positions um, at my college. I'd been the curriculum chair for 10 years. Mm-hmm. I was the curriculum lead for a federal grant uh, working with some of our API Asian American Pacific Islander students. And I also co- coordinated the learning and communities program. And mm-hmm. so I enjoyed being in those leadership positions, but I wasn't sure as a, as a faculty leader. And then also as a faculty member teaching students, what else 
did I want to do and what else would be intellectually stimulating and challenging for me. And just through some, you know, face-to-face networking, I got asked to do some interview skills coaching, some presentation skills Mm. coaching. Um, I had because I was the curriculum chair for so long, um, I had been invited at the state level to do help with some curriculum development work. And again, through some networking and some co- you know personal contacts, I got into doing some course design or course evaluation and redesign help for some entrepreneurs. And so I just did that on the side a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, for the last couple of years, that's what I've been doing, but I've never really parlayed that into something that's a steady and stable business mm-hmm. side income. It's just mm-hmm. been something that's more been one-offs. And so now I'm really at a point where I'm thinking about that again, you know, Mm -hmm. now I'm here 18 years, what's next for me? Mm. I always thought again, that my leadership path as a faculty member might be to go on to be a dean or a VP. And I'm really realizing more and more that that's not where I want to go. I enjoy teaching. I enjoy the flexibility of teaching um, and the impact that I make when Mm -hmm. I'm teaching. And I don't think I have the personality and the temperament to deal with the politics of any other leadership positions. And so I do want to continue to build up my consulting and some of this work that I've been doing on the side and have a more stable uh, entrepreneurial uh, arm to what I'm doing. Mm, Yeah. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that. I think you're I think we mentioned this a little bit in kind of our pre-conversation, but <clears throat> I feel like what where you're at is a pivotal moment in this journey. As a early stage entrepreneur, you've really um, you're you've validated a service that you've been providing, which is around this curriculum development. You've had various, you know, avatars for that, and a mm-hmm. lot of it is referral based. So, really creating that consistent income is kind of the next level. And you and I Definitely. have been, yeah, you and I have been working together a little bit, um, and you know, really trying to hone that in for you. But I'm curious what you would say maybe the hardest, what's your like biggest struggle with getting this stuff more consistent and having a presence online? Because I have a feeling where you're at right now is really going to help someone. Um, And so I'm I'm curious what you would say to that. Uh, Yes, you're right. I definitely am at the early stage because doing something on as a referral based Mm -hmm. side business is definitely not something that's consistent. And Mm -hmm. I do want to do something that's more consistent. Um, And I think the hardest thing right now for me is to really hone in on what do I want to do? What services do I want to offer? How is it going to complement and balance with teaching? Because I, I definitely right now am, am not in a position, nor do I want to leave my position here. I really do love what I'm doing and can see myself here until I retire. But at the same time, I want to have a consistent business. Um, and I want to be able to do things that I'm not able to do in just teaching students, um, and, and have different kinds of connections and projects that I work on. And so I think for me, you know, two things have been hard is really figuring out how am I going to have a consistent business Mm -hmm. and what is that going to look like? And two marketing, 
you know, how do I market myself when, you know, when you're not leaving academia, when you're still just getting started and in the early stages, what is the best way to market and position yourself? And I'm one of those people. I want everything to be perfect uh, (laughs) and I want it to be right the first time. And yet I know I'm not good at marketing myself because we haven't had to do that as instructors and as faculty. You don't, that's not what you do. Um, And so it's, really putting myself out there and trying to figure that out and what's the best way to create services that, you know, people will want, but Mm -hmm. also market yourself in a way that's doesn't feel icky. Mm. Do you, do you worry about students or other faculties at your school? um, Like seeing you out there? Is that something that's in the back of your mind? Yeah, sometimes I worry about that, but it's interesting that I have gotten some referrals for interview coaching from my students, but it's for family members or people that they have known because in my classes, I do have them do interview skills, coaching related things um, as assignments. And so Mm. they know that I teach that. And so a couple of times I've gotten referrals that way for people outside of my uh, student network. Yeah. So I don't necessarily think I'm worried about what they're going to, whether they'll see me or what they'll think, but I think it's really just about how do you position yourself as a faculty member Mm -hmm. and how do you sell in a way that shows what you have to offer in Mm -hmm. a, in in a very genuine way and an authentic way, but doesn't feel, I'm not a good salesperson, you know, (laughs) and I've never had to be. Yeah. Um, in this type of, you know, as a faculty member. Mm-hmm. And so that feels new. It feels awkward. Uh, I also tend to like a lot of different things, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel that as a, you know, because of what I teach and because of the different leadership roles I've had on campus, I can do a lot of different do. things. <laughs> you could have a lot of different businesses. Yeah. Right. But I can't have 10 different businesses. Mm. Um <laughs> Because, you know, I don't have more than 24 hours in a day and I can't clone myself yet. Right. So it some of it is just figuring out, OK, I'm in the early stages. What's the best path mm. um, and what's the best focus right now for me that will help me get somewhere? And sometimes, again, my need to want to be perfect and want to make sure, oh, I'm doing it in the right way. The right way. Um, mm-hmm. And controlling everything because, you know, as faculty, we always control our syllabus, our classes. So I'm used <laughs> to that. <laughs> so in, yeah. in that desire to want that, sometimes it's hard to move forward. Uh, yeah. And I can get spend a lot of time analyzing and rethinking mm-hmm. and overthinking, <laughs> you know, where do I want to go as an entrepreneur? And yet... Then I look back and think, what? but I didn't go anywhere. Uh, so I'm really struggling with that. But I think, you know, I think it's something other people might be able to relate to. But I know that I'm going to, you know, figure it out. Definitely. And I, I think this is a, a common because I, I, I kind of fell into what I was doing in a way and it, it took off faster than I thought. Like there were obviously some nuances to my to my beginnings that are a little bit different. But what I can say now being two years into business is is the the small edits, even if they're not even small, even if they're huge pivots, um, they happen after you've taken some sort of action. And I just having watched you for the last few months, <laughs> you definitely take action. And I think that is something that an academic is really good at, right? It's like, okay, yes, maybe you spend a little too much time in the analysis part, or maybe, um, you know, it can feel like you're overthinking in some way. But mm-hmm. in the end, though, you are taking like consistent action towards what it will be 
becoming. And I, what I've learned in just interviewing different people, and I've really tried to profile this, I think that's the right word, mm-hmm. um, it, is that almost every guest I've had that has been in business longer than two or three years or around that time, they started doing one thing and now they're doing something either totally different or very like a lot more, what's the word? Like targeted maybe is the right word. And um, I think, I think that is something we want to do it right. And we want to do it the, you know, in a certain order, potentially, like we think there's an order. And I think part (laughs) of that comes from academia. Yes, because that that path is supposed to be very linear. And so we think very Mm -hmm. linear and I definitely do. And I want certain milestones and then I want to know what the next thing is. And yep. Something like this as an early stage entrepreneur it's, it's like all the paths no are open. It's all, no, yeah, exactly. Pick a path and pick a path. And I think it was Valerie Baker, actually, who was on the podcast a little bit ago. And I think her her podcast episode is up. We'll link back to that in the show notes. She said something that a mentor had told her and it was, your offer is your life. And when I heard it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so true. And for the last like two years, I would say, you know, my offer was writing, like writing curriculum, but I I don't even know if that's the right language because it was really just (laughs) helping people create a video course, which Mm -hmm. is, is, is different. Um, but it was tough, uh, because people, especially when they have to turn in something to you, like they have to record a video or they have to do something for Mm -hmm. your, you to continue to work. They basically create obstacles for themselves. So then my, job, my offer became chasing them down and begging them to like, hey, you paid me X dollars. Like, I know you want to do this. Like, you should probably do it. And it was it was I wouldn't say it's like frustrating, but it's it's more draining. It's not frustrating because I'm 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 also super empathetic because I know how busy we get as entrepreneurs. And so I can understand like, oh, yes, I know that this isn't your high priority right now. But like, can you clear your calendar or whatever? But it doesn't feel successful and tangible to you. And that's the tough part. Nothing's happening because exactly. You know, it's an issue on there and not getting you information. Yeah, exactly. And so you start to you start to realize like, oh, okay, if my offer is going to be this like huge deliverable, sure, maybe I can charge more. But is it worth it? Like, what are you responsible for? Um, And so I had to learn that. And it doesn't mean that, um, you know, people can potentially avoid that. But I, I do think it's something to consider as you start planning, okay, yes, I have all these skill sets. Mm-hmm. I have all this knowledge and background experience that can really help a lot of different people. What do I want my life to look like? And I think for you specifically, like if you're working from, you know, certain hours of the day, mm-hmm. you know, what do you want the two hours that you can spend on your business to look like? And so I think asking ourselves those kind of questions early on in the process will help you narrow it down. But then I think some of it is just experiencing it and being like, right. oh, yeah, well, this doesn't feel that good or, yeah, or this kind of avatar doesn't feel some that good. Some of it has to be experiencing and realizing, oh, that mm. I, I didn't like that or or that wasn't worth it in terms of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also, you know, I think one of your podcast um, guests said this and, and it really resonated with me. And it's that your first thing is not your last thing. And Ooh, I think yes. I need to really 
absorb that and believe that because mm. sometimes I think, oh, I'm going to put this out there and this is what I want to do. And, mm-hmm. and then the worry of, well, what if it doesn't work and really reframing it as, okay, but my first thing is not my last thing. So That's even so if I want to do 10 different things, let me start somewhere because not figuring out anything out of those 10 things gets me nowhere. You're getting nowhere. Yeah. yeah. You're doing and the so I got to start thing. somewhere and really keep in mind that it probably won't be my last thing. No. And yep. it's okay to pivot at any point if I need to. Yep. But I think again, and that's what's kind of, that is hard. what's kind of cool. It's hard. Um, it's hard because it's, yes. I, and I think, and this is why this podcast exists, because I think we have some identity experiences or, or ways we've done things in academia. And we're trying to kind of unlearn that. It's it, sometimes it's perfectionism, but I think it's more just like the external validation that academia represents. And that's something mm-hmm. that I've been kind of thinking through. Like you go to school and you have a teacher and they give you a grade, right? Like everything's graded and right. judged or whatever, evaluated. And you know right? exactly what you need to do to get exactly. that grade. Exactly. And then, and then, yeah. And so there, you're always looking for approval at some stage in the process. Right. And an entrepreneurial life is not like that because you don't often get that validation. Exactly. Sometimes you need to create it yourself. Exactly. And I feel like that's where um, it can be hard in these first steps specifically Mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, well, I I guess I just decide, like, should I do this? And and I think, you know, this is part of why I started the membership community, too. It's like, okay, so we can be a mirror for each other and be like, yeah, you're good. Like, give it a shot or whatever. Let's test it. And there's definitely a lot of testing and a lot more flexibility and, um, you know, growth mindset that needs to be employed, I think, as an entrepreneur that isn't as necessary in academia. It's like, oh, you got a PhD. Awesome. Like, you're good enough. Now you can have this job or or whatever. Right. You, you know, you did really well in the interview and like your students love you like you're good enough. But in entrepreneurship, it's different. Like you sometimes it's related to the offer not being good, but most of the time it's like marketing and uh, messaging and we can create amazing offers and courses, I believe, but getting the audience right. And some of the other things, there's just so many variables at play and it's really hard to think about where to focus. And those are skill sets that we don't necessarily learn in academia. Mm -hmm. So I, that's why I think the idea of the membership that you're doing is brilliant because we can be supporting each other, Mm -hmm. but then also learn learning the skills that we didn't learn as in academia that will help us then on this entrepreneurial journey. I think we come in, you know, as academics with a lot of great skills, Yes, but this particular piece I think is missing. And so to have some support and mentoring and validation, Mm. I think is really important, um, especially when you're at early stages and just really trying to figure out, okay, well, what's next and how do I pick? Mm. And okay, once I pick, then what's next? Then, yeah, because then because the path isn't really clear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think with the marketing, I think what's also unique about us too is we kind of know what's problematic <laughs> to us right. because we think about that kind of stuff. We, you in communication, I'm sure I taught a lot about this as it relates to hegemony and like propaganda and capitalism and marketing and all that stuff. So I used to have this very like distinct theoretical perspective. And then I come into it where I'm actually a player (laughs) in this game. And I was like, oh, 
Like I have to edit myself or I have to be, I can see what I don't like. And I think that's what you were alluding to earlier. Like you don't want to be icky. Right. And what is icky? What is, what works, but isn't icky? I think that's what we're trying to to find out. And you want to come at it, at least for me, I want to come at it in a way that still is me and Mm -hmm. is, is in line with my values and what feels good. But sometimes it seems like that those marketing efforts, you have to be somebody else to be really Mm. good and excel at it. And Mm -hmm. so I'm really struggling to figure out how do I put me into the message and the marketing and, and then how do I know what's next and Mm -hmm. how do I validate that or get that Mm -hmm. validated? Because yeah, that is still important to me. I mean, I can't unlearn all of, you know, years and years of and that's why they need us a little bit too i think well (laughs) that's why the community is so important to disrupt it Mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. definitely so let's you tapped on it um a little bit this idea of what skills we do bring so yes we've talked about some of our struggles what what are some of our assets what do you think um is really benefiting you as you you are starting this this you know process Um, I think one of the things that I think really benefits me is the ability to take a lot of information and research and curate that in a way Mm. that makes it simple and easy to understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think in some of my experiences of taking other courses in the business uh, world, uh, sometimes the information just comes at you too fast, too quickly. And I think as academics, what we have to offer is we can take in a lot and we have that skill of how to distill that. Um, At the same time, I think because we've been trained to be linear in some ways (laughs) and logical, um, there's something to be said about us being process people. I think Mm. we're good at understanding systems and processes and knowing how to, you know, get an outcome because as faculty, we are outcome oriented and we know how to measure outcomes. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a distinct advantage to being able to see, okay, if this is what I want to offer in terms of consulting, coaching, or any courses that I design, what do I want to get at the end? What do I want to have happen? And I think I'm able to see that clearly and be able to design something that helps people get to that outcome. Yes. Uh, I think that's great. That It's funny because I, I, yeah, we have a client right now and she introduced me at the event we were just at together. And she's like, mm-hmm. oh, Lindsay's like, oh, got all the systems and processes for courses. I, in my head, I'm like, I am the worst systems <laughs> person. But I think if you zoom out and make it not about like SOPs and like some of that stuff, uh-huh. you're right. I think when it comes to courses and seeing the course as a process and a journey and mm-hmm. something that's repeated and um, yeah, exactly. Uh, outcome oriented. Um, there's steps in the process. It is a process. And it's yeah. like, okay, I wouldn't necessarily walk around telling everyone I'm a process person, but I can process your course because, <laughs> right? See, I like, would say that so, because I think yeah. I'm good at processes and systems and oh, good. working, yeah. you know, working on a grant too. I mean, you had to be accountable yes. to certain outcomes. And yes. I felt like that is a strength that I bring to any work that I do. Yeah. Uh, And that's that, that's that kind of data driven, mm -hmm. I think, right. Results oriented. Yeah. And yeah. So part of me learned that that sometimes that's ingrained in us to be Mm. data driven and outcomes oriented. And I think that's something that, you know, as academics, that's a strength that we bring, I think, to any academic and entrepreneurial endeavor. 
Yeah, definitely. I love that. Very cool. So what is your um, what are you currently working on? Because I think this could be an interesting conversation, um, <laughs> you know, and, and you do have these like different avatars a little bit in your business. Mm-hmm. So you are accepting currently like consulting clients around interviews or um, curriculum and that kind of thing. Um, but what what else are you working? Yes. On? Yeah, I am currently accepting interview clients and course design course evaluation. But mm-hmm. Primarily what I'm working on right now is trying to develop a membership and a community to help future faculty who want to be in Mm. community colleges. Um, I realize that a lot of the work I've done as a leader here um, in my faculty position is to mentor faculty or help faculty improve their teaching and learning. And I know that there are a lot of people who are in their master's and doctoral programs, and we don't often get when we're at that stage support in what we want to do next and how we're supposed to accomplish what we want to do next. And there are folks who do want to go into the community college system. And Mm -hmm. so I'm developing something that will help um, empower future faculty, providing support, education, encouragement to help master's and doctoral students who want to teach in the community colleges, um, helping them navigate the interview process, Mm -hmm. really understand the community college system and the students who come Mm -hmm. to community colleges um, so that they're better prepared when they do get that faculty teaching position. Oh, I love this. I I was very fortunate. I went to San Diego State for my master's in sociology. And I we actually had a class called teaching sociology. And Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, this is awesome. And that's actually it was in that class that I learned uh, that I wanted to teach community college. I actually didn't even know it was an option. I was (laughs) I was I was like you, but figured it out later. And Mm -hmm. I, I was realizing as you were sharing your story, Oh yeah, your dad was a professor, so you have that like example mm-hmm. of an as an option. In my family, I like went, have gone the farthest in education, and so I haven't had that as an example. So I was just like, "Oh, I'm going to teach high school. Oh, I'm going to teach sociology at high school. I'm just it's so fun." And then I got to community college, and, <laughs> or sorry, I got to my master's program, and I was like, "Oh, with a master's degree, I could teach like adults and have this amazing <laughs> like." And then it was all about the subject, and um, I fell in love. But it was such a great experience to work on my first syllabi, like mm-hmm. think about activities, stuff that, you know, I had training in, you know, as a credentialed teacher, but now this is a different level. Like, what is it right. like teaching an adult? And you're and lucky so because cool. not a lot so of programs lucky. offer that type of training. Right. And and here was a group of grad <laughs> students. And this is almost this is almost in every program, right? We were all TAs, most right. of us. So some of them didn't go on to teach community college necessarily. Like some of them wanted to go on and uh, do research or or whatever work mm-hmm. um, in nonprofits and stuff like that. But either way, we all were currently teaching. Like, right. But even a as a TA, member. you don't always yeah, get the no best training. Support. Sometimes no. you're just told go it's teach terrible. it. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Figure and it you out think, as you go along. Yeah, and it's just so funny that. Um, yeah, the way we set up the academic system, I guess. And it's just like, oh, yeah, teaching is just, well, if you're smart and you do all this research, of course, you can communicate yeah. information. That makes sense. <laughs> and if you're struggling, just figure it out. Just figure it out. And that's so academic, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, like you either can make it or not. You can cut it or you can't. And um, good luck. Yeah. 
So weird. Um, so I think I love it. I love what you're working on. So very cool. And so, uh, you know, you're using this summer to get as much work done, obviously, as you can heading into the fall right. semester. So you have some fun stuff heading. Yeah, I'm your doing way. some planning right now and talking totally. to people about what would be important to include um, when awesome. you're helping future faculty and um, developing some content. So yeah, I'm really excited because I also realize there are programs that are out there that are helping with this, but either you have to be sponsored by an institution, uh, you yeah. have to apply and it's costly. And Very so expensive. I want to yep. find a way where I can provide this kind of support for those who want it, that's going to not require a lot, you know, them to invest a lot um, or be sponsored by an institution because for some people they're not, they don't have the job yet. Mm -hmm. Um, That's Mm -hmm. what they're preparing for. And And what, how awesome will that look on a CV too, to be like, I, you know, I'm a part of this program. And so I could even see, yeah, I think that's great. And for it to be around the price point of, you know, a couple Starbucks drinks or something like that, because we know the position that those students are in and then even, you know, part-time faculty and and that it's not, obviously they're swimming in cash. Right. Exactly. As much as you can help Um, that. And it's not, and it's not that you don't want that support no, and that mentoring yeah. and that encouragement. It's just that you don't have access to it. Nope. Um, and I was talking recently to somebody who said, oh, we have some uh, preparing future faculty program at our institution, but it's only 20 students across all the doctoral students. They all have to apply, yeah. right? Yeah, and they have, exactly. So 20 spots, but yet there's over 100 graduate students. Mm. What about the rest of them if they want to be good teachers and if they mm-hmm. want to go out into the job market? And so yeah. I feel that there's a need. Um, yep. And I'm hoping that I can provide some good content and good encouragement and mentoring that will help support people who are on this journey. Because I truly believe teaching in the community colleges is great. Oh, it's uh, so it's yeah. very rewarding. Yeah. Um, it can be hard. It can be exploited. <laughs> Mm-hmm. at some points, <laughs> which um, we've discussed. <laughs> yes, but yeah. you have, you know, but you can navigate it. Um, but mm-hmm. it helps to have a community to help you navigate it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I want to provide this is that. What I, yeah. This is what I love about entrepreneurship because I've had so many guests and you're, you're definitely on this list where you're creating a business, a service, an offer, a way to help people mm-hmm. that the institutions just aren't able to provide. Like we know why they can only have 20 students in some program, right. Mm-hmm. That they've created because they have to, there's it's funding, it's budget issues, it's all this stuff. Right. So it's like, you're going to need, you know, someone who is able to create that space in a different environment. Um, and we're, you're not paying for the lights to stay on in a classroom, mm-hmm. right? Like all the right. things that it takes <laughs> to run um, something. And so the idea that you could create something based on volume, like the number of people that you can help, which, mm-hmm. and I think you're going to be able to provide probably even more support in a different way. Well, and there's something to be said about not always being around just your institutional colleagues. Mm. You know, right. getting support from people who are at the same, yeah, on the same journey as you, but sometimes yes. being being able to have a community and share things with people who are outside of your institution because exactly. they, you know, they can give you a different perspective, yeah. and sometimes it gets you out of the politics as well. <laughs> <laughs> which we can, we all enjoy a little bit. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think, yeah, the anonymity or the like not uh, disassociation with the institution, right. I think the online environment provides. Yes. Very true. Well, I love it. And I'm so excited to see what you create this next year. Um, I, 
would love to hear um, as a final kind of question, what advice you would have to anyone either maybe jumping into consulting. Mm -hmm. They're they're at that point you were um, a couple of years ago or some advice that you um, could give around starting, you know, trying to make this thing a little more consistent. Um, But yeah, any advice you would give to someone who might want to start a side gig? So I would think I would first say, figure out one thing that you're good at. Mm. I mean, we, we all know we can do multiple things, um, but yep. you can spend a lot of time trying to figure out those multiple things, but figure out one thing and put yourself out there. Um, and really for me, you know, the best advice that I heard was your first thing is not your last thing. So yep. keep that in mind. So start somewhere. Uh, and then also to remember that it's not going to be linear. So mm-hmm. start somewhere. It might be a curvy path. Uh, and, you know, done is better than perfect. Um, I have to take that advice. A lot. I, had, <laughs> well, I, I have, I have a to take all of that too. <laughs> on my home computer that says done is better than perfect. Yeah. <laughs> because we, we you teach know, what we most need, need to learn. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so that's my biggest piece of advice. Start somewhere and done is better than perfect. Mm. I think that's great. Very cool. So Anu, where can people connect with you online? Where are you hanging out right now? So I am in the process right now of redesigning my website, which is anukana.com, but I'm also anukana on Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram. And I have a new Facebook group that I'm starting for future faculty. It's called Empowering Future Faculty. And you can look for me there and come join in and have a conversation with me about what we can do um, to provide that support and education and encouragement. Yeah, very cool. If anyone's listening and has any contacts or are in currently in a PhD program, potentially, or mm-hmm. you're a director of our program, that could be really cool uh, to connect with a new yeah. as well. I'd love um, to hear from you and connect with you yeah. and see what we can do. Very cool. Well, it's been so fun hanging out. Thank you. I've had a great yeah. time talking with you. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for sharing your story and everything. And we had a couple of Wi-Fi in and outs a little <laughs> bit there, but we handled it like champs. It worked. It worked. Right? Plan B for the professors. Exactly. There's always a way to get it done. Very cool, Anu. And I look forward to having you back on sometime in the future. We'll do a Where is Anu Now? <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much. <laughs>